Welcome to the Auckland Bioengineering Institute podcast. Okay, hello and thank you for listening. My name is Ruben Keeling and today we will be talking about the heart. February is Heart Awareness Month, so it's a perfect opportunity to talk about the heart and cardiovascular disease. It's still the leading cause of death worldwide, but we have a team of talented researchers here at ABI that are trying to change that. Welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Right, so my name's Professor Martin Nash. I'm a, a biomedical engineer. I've been working, I did a PhD in cardiac mechanics um, a long time ago, and I've been working as a lecturer here at Auckland University in the Department of Engineering Science um, since 2003. So I do my research in the Auckland Bioengineering Institute, and I lead teams of people working on heart research, uh, supervised graduate students and undergraduate students. Hi, so my name is Prasad Babarindagamage. I'm, um, I'm also a biomedical engineer. I'm currently working as a postdoctoral um, research fellow um, in the cardiac mechanics um, research group. Uh, I completed my PhD uh, around three, three or four years ago, uh, working on modeling soft tissues um, in the human body for various applications. Um, uh, it, Specifically, I was looking at um, uh, modeling breast tumors and uh, how we can help clinicians um, identify and remove uh, these tumors. Hi, my name's Kate Gilbert. Um, I'm also a biomedical engineer. I did my PhD at the Med School in Medical Imaging with Alistair Young, and I've been working as a postdoctoral research fellow for about four years now. Uh, I work on cardiac imaging studies and work with the images that come out of them. Hi, my name is Debbie Zhao. I'm a new PhD student in the Bioengineering Institute, perhaps not that new, I think I started two years ago now. Um, but I also work closely with the medical imaging team at the medical school. I guess keeping in line with the heart theme, my focus is in cardiac imaging too, looking specifically at 3D ultrasound imaging and developing a framework for building virtual hearts from these images. From these personalized models, clinicians and patients can then better understand their heart and heart diseases. Great. So how does your uh, research make a difference? I think a better understanding of the heart and and health and disease um, gives clinicians and patients a better way to understand their own sort of heart rather than a generic, um, I guess, model of the heart. By understanding your own heart, clinicians can tailor perhaps treatment strategies and hopefully that will lead to better clinical outcomes. Another outlet of our work is actually to educate people around what does the heart do, what happens when things go wrong, so we've been involved with developing uh, applications, web-based applications to uh, show people what their heart looks like and actually show them really what's gone wrong with their heart and potentially what their therapies are doing as well. So not only just a, a diagnostic kind of understanding as Debbie was talking about, but also just educating patients as to what's happened to their heart and why is it important for them to stay taking the medication, for example. Mm. In terms of the, the modeling, um, uh, I guess that, that helps in terms of the personal, personalised medicine approach. Are you, are you able to model individual hearts? Yeah, so with, um, with some of the imaging that, that's performed in the clinic, such as MRI ultrasound, we now have the ability to build uh, 
to model the geometry of an individual person's um, heart. And then we can also uh, combine that with information, other clinical information such as uh, pressure measurements, um, either from uh, cuff measurements or catheters. And we can use this to try and uh, uh, simulate using physics how the heart uh, contracts over, uh, um, over a cycle, a cardiac cycle. And we, yeah, we can use these models. We can use, we can then investigate these uh, physics-based models and see what happens when things are working normally and what happens when things uh, start uh, not working mm. as expected. What are the, the variations between different people's hearts that can, that can make a difference? So, um, an acquired heart disease, so heart disease that develops after birth. Uh, you see changes in the wall thickness, you see changes in how much blood is inside the heart and how much blood it can pump. One of the new techniques we're working with is something called 40 flow MRI and with that I can get the blood flow through the entire heart and the cardiac cycle and we can see how the blood spins. So that not only tells the doctors a little bit more about what's happening but it also shows the patients what it actually means when they say a valve is regurgitant, they can see that the blood goes up and it comes back down. Right. And you've developed uh, the app, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. Is that something you can, that they're showing patients? So it's our understanding that the app is being shown in a couple of the ca uh, coronary care units mm. um, around the country, but at the moment that just shows the heart structures. Right. So. Would, would you, uh, is that something in the future you might work on? This, this? Yeah personalised hopefully model of each person's heart yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, with the sort of more popularisation of machine learning and so on we're getting into techniques that these guys are working on to, to do this completely automatically to do it really quickly to take that MR image or that ultrasound image build a three dimensional representation of that patient's heart and serve it up to the doctor on an iPad that they can show to that patient soon after they've had their their image done so that's definitely within the realms and it may, might even happen this year mm. oh, really? mm. so we're pretty excited about that that's for sure the techniques we've got lots of expertise mm. here at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute with these sorts of techniques um, Debbie's actually leaving tonight <laughs> to go to to Europe to look at, at further developing one of these techniques to uh, to analyze ultrasound and MR images as well so yeah it's, it's a pretty exciting time to be involved fantastic we have to keep Keep an eye on that. Um, Debbie, what kind of what specific projects are you working on right now? So one of the really great things about working in heart research is that it's a very important topic so you have people all around the world working on this. Right. Um, so as Martin said before, I'm leaving to London tonight and that is to work with Professor Alistair Young. Um, he's got collaborations with the uh, Barts Hospital over there and they've got another data set of MRI and ultrasound. Um, because New Zealand is relatively small, that means the data we're able to access is also relatively small, but you have bigger centres in the UK that just gives us access to more data. So when you have a lot of data, one of the really cool things you can do is look at the statistics of it all. You can see how the heart varies in, I guess, a larger group. Um, we've developed techniques which, which we call um, cardiac atlasing. So it's building an atlas of the heart um, everyone's heart is unique so you can yeah. see in terms of analyzing the shape and geometry where you fit I guess in a much larger right. population. Yeah so th there are some genetic changes that have been shown to 
create slight differences in heart shape. We expect a taller person to have a larger heart and they've shown that through the MESA study in the States. So those states that were settled from mainly Scandinavian countries, uh, the people were often a lot taller than those settled from Asian countries and so their hearts are bigger. Um, but then there are still countries which experience a lot of rheumatic fever and a lot of rheumatic heart disease, of which we are one, right. whereas a lot of European countries have wiped that out. Okay. What are some of the biggest challenges you've, you've faced in your research? I guess working with the working with the data that we that's available. Right. Oh, I don't know if I should say the quality is not great, <laughs> but uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. But uh, I think one of the biggest challenges has been really translating. Uh, so we've been working in heart research here at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute and formerly in the Department of Engineering Science for thirty or forty years. Mm. We have very very sophisticated modelling techniques. Um, we really understand a lot about the relationship and just the microstructure of the tissue, lots about the relationship between that microstructure, the fibre structure, the collagen structure, for example, and the tissue function and potentially the organ function as well. So we've got really good data sets and really good sophisticated models based upon animal data sets. Right. Our biggest challenge, and this is in some sense, I think, our team's biggest achievement over the last couple of years has been to take those sophisticated models and to translate them and apply them into a clinical environment. So we're not there yet, we're mm. still doing it, but we have been pretty excited by not just our team members here today, but also a couple of former team members, a number of former team members. So Vicky Wang, who's now in Stanford, Jenny Wang, who's now in Oxford, mm. uh, Bianca Freitag, she's uh, hopefully soon to go to Europe to take up a postdoctoral position as well. All of these have been working with clinical data sets that we've had sourced from overseas hospitals. So we've been working closely with a hospital in New York, St. Francis Hospital, who've provided us with relatively small data sets that we can develop these personalized models of patients' hearts, uh, albeit some time after they've had their scans. So we haven't, we haven't impacted upon their clinical um, management of those patients but we're developing the techniques now where we can translate our sophisticated models into that the the challenges it takes to to apply this in the in the clinical environment and so more recently particularly with Kat's work and with Debbie's work leading the charge here in Auckland we're now gathering these images directly from patients after they have uh, hemodynamic catheterization for chest pain mm. they're being wheeled down the hall and half an hour later and, and Kat's been overseeing these studies for the last 18 months or so uh, to, to take images from these patients so we can build these models and, and Debbie's working with groups overseas to, to, to look at automated ways to rapidly segment and, and build models of these patients' hearts and we're talking directly with the cardiologists. So three of the top cardiologists in New Zealand that we're working with, we're, we're starting to present them with these three-dimensional representations of their patient's heart. So why did you choose to study this field in particular? So I did my um, undergraduate in engineering science and for my part four project I worked on a project on ambulance procedures okay. and uh, whether or not changing how people who had had heart attacks or suspected heart attacks were transported would impact the entire system and it made me realise how much as engineers we could help the healthcare system. There are still so many, for lack of a better word, tools that we can provide. Mm. 
Um, and then the right PhD opportunity came along okay. and the right postdoc, and so yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> How about you, Prasad? So for me, I got into this field all the way back in undergrad. I originally wanted to do um, something related with mechanical engineering, mm. and then I had an injury to my knee and realized right. how much, um, I guess, uh, how much we still don't know about um, sort of the, how to treat certain types of um, diseases yeah. and what their long-term effects are of the treatments that we provide. Right. So that kind of pushed me into um, the area of biomedical engineering. Yeah. And since then I've found that a very, very satisfying area to work in because you do get to, uh, you get to apply sort of the engineering techniques that you learn to a, a whole range of different problems. It's really about problem solving and uh, figuring out how to, uh, coming up with ideas on how to solve uh, problems that can ultimately be used to help people. Right, right. So I've always been interested in, I guess, the sort of medical field and human anatomy and physiology. Um, so I think ever since I was younger and in high school even, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to mm. go into medicine. Um, I think in the end I realized that um, if I wanted to help people as a doctor, I would sort of touch the people that I were I was directly um, consulting, for example. But as an engineer, I would be able to overlook and sort of improve the system. So right. systematically find out ways how I can improve, um, say, healthcare in general. And that way I would be able to reach out to more people. I was, uh, I was quite the opposite to DB, actually. I, when I was in high school, in about year 11 or form 5, we used to call it, I hated biology. Actually, I really didn't like it. What I loved is maths and physics and computing and those sorts of things. And so in an, as an undergraduate engineer in the engineering science department, I met this guy, Peter Hunter, who's the director of the Auckland Bioengineering Institute. And uh, I figured, geez, I can use maths and computing and physics in order to help people. That's got to be a good thing, right? And so, yeah, I didn't actually start looking at the heart. At the start of my PhD, I decided I wanted to do something biomedical engineering. So mm. I started to look at the biomechanics of the knee, which is related to the injury Prasad has had. I'd, I'd had a couple of friends who'd had knee reconstructions, and I, I got to meet their uh, their surgeon, Barry Titchens, his name once. He, he um, basically, did he work on your knee? <laughs> well, he, he was the guy that revolutionized really? um, knee reconstruction yeah. surgery for anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction surgery oh, okay. uh, and he's a, a very kiwi. very yep yeah. kiwi he's actually the brother of gordon titchens who was oh, the, right. rug, the rugby coach for the That's rugby sevens <laughs> so he he's retired now but what an incredible guy to, to work with and i worked with him for about six months and after that i realized gee this is a really really hard problem and in fact i was moving away from at that stage from peter hunter's pet topic which was the heart yeah. And uh, I remember being in Peter's office with Greg Sands, another postdoc here at the ABI, and they kind of bullied me into saying, you should forget that knee thing and you should really work on the heart. And so that was in 1991 and I haven't looked back since. Yeah. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, so what's, um, we're talking about technologies before, MRIs and things. What technologies have had uh, kind of the most impact on your work? So MRI is great and we are getting amazing images off our MRI but they're also really expensive and actually ultrasound is doing really well and starting to catch up in a lot of the in terms of image quality you still don't know where you are on the body and you still have to have good windows but as a frontline clinical tool it's their workhorse mm. and it's great that it's at a point now that we can use those images for research 
Uh, that has meant that we can collect a lot more data. We can collect a lot more data cheaply. Um, and then we can collect some, also some really lovely MRI data sets, but we're much less constrained by time that we can get in cost. So yeah, it's availability of data, good quality mm. data. It's the ability to process those data very quickly. So the, mm. the compute power that we've got, you know, the graphics processing units, for example, yeah. but also the techniques, you know, these new machine learning techniques are, are very rapid. They rely on lots of data. We are now able to get hold of lots of data and train these techniques. So it's a, it's a really revolutionary time right now to be involved in this area because, like I say, our sophisticated biomechanical models, we can build them on top of these segmentation algorithms and so on and, and develop these personalised models relatively rapidly and simulate them relatively rapidly now. Um, yeah, that wasn't possible even five years ago. That was a very, very time-taking process, took a long time to analyse and mm. not very stable and so on. So it's much more routine now. And similarly, we see that in our data sets getting bigger as well, right, for imaging. It's not unusual for me to walk away from an MRI scan with four or five gigabytes of data, right. and I can open that data set, I can process it, mm. and that's just on a standard desktop. I don't yeah. need a high-performance computer, and that is pretty revolutionary for us as well. Yeah, it's a major shift. Yeah. And you mentioned the artificial intelligence as well, that, that speeds up that kind of processing quite rapidly. Yeah, with, uh, with, yeah, with machine learning we can now speed up um, a lot of these simulations that yeah. could take a fairly long time to solve, anywhere from uh, hours to days, we can now solve them in um, less than a second. Yeah. just with the kind of speed up and that's really great because uh, we, and we can do this because of the improvements we're getting in GPU performance mm. and GPUs are now available in you know, even standard machines that yeah. are fast enough for us to be able to use for these kind of applications so um, we no longer need to run things on uh, huge supercomputers which are not available everywhere yeah. so this makes some of the work that we're doing applicable to everywhere yeah. it has uh, access to a standard computer and, and how was the the research funded well Debbie for example <laughs> has recently been awarded a, <laughs> a postgraduate scholarship from the Hart Foundation that scholarship covers my tuition fees or a portion of um, as well as my living costs <laughs> which allows me to do the research I do there is actually multiple sources of funding. It's not just one. For example, the imaging um, is sponsored by MedTech Core, also the HRC grant that we're on. Um, the HRC grant also covers my travel expenses, so that includes attendance at conferences and Great. publications. So mm. without going to those conferences, we wouldn't be able to showcase the work that we're doing. So that's yeah. really important as well. So we've been fortunate as a group to have had mostly public good funding sources and public good science funding sources. So the Marsden Fund has, uh, from the Royal Society of New Zealand, has funded a bunch of fundamental research that we've looked at in mm. terms of microstructural um, imaging and experimental work. The largest fraction of funding has been from the Health Research Council, as Debbie was saying. We've had uh, project grants for them, which are sort of three-year, $1 million grants, but currently we're running a, a Health Research Council program, which is a five-year uh, $5 million grant which is funding um, these guys effectively to mm. 
and all of the imaging that we're doing in terms of our validation imaging at the Faculty of Medical and Health Sciences, but also our clinical imaging at Auckland Hospital as well. Um, the Medical Technologies Core Centre of Research Excellence has also been a, a wonderful place for us to get great technical support and funding in order to, to do some of the imaging and some of the technical development as well. So that's that's been a, a real godsend, godsend, particularly with some of the echo imaging. And um, Also, we're working on another project to do with the jugular venous pulse, um, so stereoscopic imaging of the neck in mm. order to look at a completely non-invasive um, uh, diagnostic tools uh, that's separate from our Health Research Council funding. That's a completely different technology that we're mm. developing in collaboration with the University of Otago. Right. So that's wholly funded by the MedTech Corps. Mm. As well. So we've been lucky to have a, a real diversity of funding to keep all of these guys uh, <laughs> in business. Keep them busy. Great, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And how can people find out more about your research? Uh, so the, we've got the Heart app website. Yeah, one way is just to Google MedTech Heart, and normally it comes at the top of the, uh, so MedTech, M-E-D-T-E-C-H, space, heart. That's normally the top link on mm. Google, although that might be tailored to us, I don't know. <laughs> Um, certainly within most people in New Zealand, they'd be able to find it that way. Yeah. Uh, the Auckland Bioengineering Institute website, we've got uh, group pages on there, so Cardiac Mechanics Research Group. Mm. Um, those are probably the two most common ways to find out about our team. There's a couple of YouTube videos that, that our group have put together um, to explain the diversity of techniques and tools and, uh, and work that we've been involved with over the years as well. Are there any other teams that you, that you collaborate with overseas? Heaps and heaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we collaborate with Alistair Young's now at King's College London, and that's who Debbie's going to work with. Yeah. Um, and Alice has got more collaborations, of course, who will be sharing their data with us. This includes the BART's um, NHS Health Trust, um, yeah. Queen's Mary University London, Imperial College. I'm also working with a group in Belgium, so um, the Department of Cardiovascular Science at KU Leuven. Okay. And you're working, Kat, with Johns Hopkins? I am working with Johns Hopkins on a international, oh, sorry, on a large data set that they collected uh, starting from 2000. So they have uh, about 6,000 MRI scans that were collected in 2000, and we now have the outcome data for those patients. So we know who had heart attacks and who had strokes and what their outcomes were. So we now can go back and look at that initial baseline data and try and see if there was anything else that could have helped predict. Okay. And Stephen Peterson as well, right? Yes, so. at Queen's Mary University mm. London. Um, we work with UK Biobank, which is another big cohort study. They are imaging 100,000 people over the next five years. Oh, They're cool. doing their heart, their brain, carotid artery, and a visceral fat slice through the stomach. Um, the cardiac imaging is fantastic, and it's a fantastic resource to be able to use. So we have a collaboration with uh, um, Jane Cow at uh, at uh, St. Francis uh, Hospital um, that's that's in New York we also have um, we also have collaborations with uh, uh, one of the members who used to be here Wiki, Vicky Wong mm. um, and she's now a senior postdoc uh, fellow at the cardiac mechanics lab at the San Francisco Veterans Affairs Medical Center uh, that's part of the University of San Francisco and she also has um, um, strong links with uh, um, Another group uh, that we also collaborate with, um, the Cardiac MRI Research Group at Stanford, 
uh, under Professor Associate Professor Daniel Lenz. And all these um, collaborations are providing us with incredible data, so the clinical data from New York, the, um, the images that we get from there, the hemodynamic blood pressure information are all information that we're able to uh, integrate and analyse using techniques that they haven't had access to. So it's a really nice mix of um, access to clinical data from their perspective, but also um, access for them to high quality um, analysis information to, to provide them with a kind of a new way of looking at their existing data in a more intuitive form, but also um, additional information around the, the stiffness of tissues, the contractility of the heart tissues and so on. These are not the sorts of things that they have been able to directly measure in the past. So we're sort of opening their eyes up to, to kind of a new axis of diagnosis, if you like, with right. these different sorts of parameters. So it's a really nice yeah. mix. Yeah, I was talking to Emily earlier, or late, late last week, about uh, she's heading to, to MIT to look at uh, measuring force on, on heart cells. It's, and it sounds really interesting kind of work, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So they've got a really strong background and really high quality detailed instrumentation. And mm. uh, Andrew Tabiner, who's now back here, spent quite some time in MIT, so he's got a really, really good link with the, uh, the labs over there. And, right. and it's a great pathway to, to share knowledge between Auckland and MIT and mm. Boston. Um, we've had a number of students go back and forward and really leverage the, the access to high-quality um, techniques at that sort of um, really micro level, if you like, but also from this perspective, down this end, we've got some really good ideas and some fantastic students coming through that can really benefit from that collaboration as well. And probably at the moment our most important collaboration is Auckland Hospital and the doctors we're working with there who are providing us with all of our data. Yeah. Um, we're very lucky to have got the access that we have and we're very grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, like I said before, we're working with you know, three of the top cardiologists in New Zealand yeah. and, and from our perspective as engineers, being able to provide them with different ways of looking at their data and, and right. getting that feedback from them as to what's useful and what's not so yeah. useful, but, but providing them with engineering expertise, um, which they don't necessarily have readily on tap. Mm. This is, this is a really really great opportunity for us and it's uh, it's as I said before high time for us to take our sophisticated models and push them into the yeah. clinical environment so that's it's an exciting time to be involved great, great. okay well stay tuned thanks uh, so much for joining me thank you cheers thank you to find out more visit our website www.abi.auckland.ac.nz.com